Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca. Good morning. You guys want to find a seat? We're going to get into our text this morning. Um, really want to encourage you that the song thing uh, wasn't like all I want. Uh, what was it? <laughs> all I want for Christmas is you. Like that's what he was. You in heaven was what it's supposed to. Be. Okay, so that's the, that's the jingle. All I want for you is in heaven. Okay, so. Um, and um, yeah, so just, just so... There's going to be more stuff coming out about those uh, services, but we're, we're rented uh, the other facility. So it's everybody, one service for the 10 o'clock, and then everybody for the 3.30. So uh, that way everybody's still standing, that serving that day by the end of the day, and uh, uh, it should be a great time together. So I really want to encourage you guys to be thinking about who to invite. We live in a lost uh, and dying world, and we're reminded of that as we look at the text today. Um, this is one of those texts that if you're preaching topically, you may never preach. It's one of those really difficult texts. Um, uh, it's been heavy on my heart all week uh, as I've been thinking about it and thinking about you know, the implications of it uh, for us. Uh, this is the one of those kind of texts that if uh, you have a friend who uh, is an unbeliever and they've never read the Bible before and then they start to kind of pick their way through Genesis and they may get to this and say, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm not reading this anymore uh, because it's so disturbing. And uh, uh, what I like about what Boyce says about this, though, he says this, uh, whenever the Bible contains material that reflects so badly not merely upon the sins of humanity in general, but also <clears throat> upon their particular weakness in the hearts and lives of God's people. This is evidence of the divine and not merely human origin of the Bible, right? Like if you and I are writing the Bible, like we're in charge, we tend to try to make ourselves look better, right? Uh, look good. And so uh, it's just another proof that you know, like the Lord is the one who has written this. He's the one who is uh, telling these, these, these things. And what we're going to find today, it, this is what happened. This is not telling us this should happen. It's just telling us this happened. Uh, it's, it's, it's full of tragedy. It's full of pain. It's full of hurt, uh, full of anger. There are no heroes in the chapter Right? There's nobody like, yeah, 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 I want to be that person. Like, there's nobody like that in this chapter that we're going to be studying today. And, and so you're super excited and like, I can't wait to get into it. Okay? Well, uh, what we're going to see is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's what we're going to see in this text. And without Christ, there is no hope. Um, so then we pray for us and then let us study together. God, we thank you for this, this day together, Lord, we thank you for your word, and God, we thank you that, uh, as we've already remembered this morning, that in you there is hope. Lord, as we study today, we'll be reminded of the depths of our depravity, the depths of sin that lies within each of our hearts, and God, without your mercy, without your grace, Lord, this, this world would have destroyed itself a long, long time ago. 
But God, we thank you that you are life, that you are our hope here today. And I pray that everyone here can say that and that that's true of them. And so, God, we, we, as we open the scripture today, we pray, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you help us? God, we, we want the word of God to be the authority in our lives. And even as we look at things that ought not to have happened, God, would you challenge us to become more like you? And it's your name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody needs a Bible. If you don't have one with you this morning, just go ahead and slip up your hand and the ushers will get you a copy of God's Word. We want to be able to to read God's Word together. As we do, we're going to see five ways that Jacob failed his family. Five ways that Jacob failed his family. And and just leave your hands up if you're you're looking for those Bibles. They're coming. Five ways that Jacob failed his family. I've I've entitled this sermon, uh, Broken uh, Families in a Broken World. Right. Last week there was some hope. Right. Like looked like maybe Jacob had figured some things out. But we're gonna see, even as we've seen at the end of last week, Jacob still got some issues. And so, uh, five ways that Jacob failed, and five ways that we can fail as well. First, a failure to obey. We see a failure to obey. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, there's that moment, like things are really good. He's been wrestling with God, and, and now he's, he's got to the point where he's like, okay, I, 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 I submit to you, God. I recognize that you alone are strong. I am weak. It's a great moment. He has this, this time with Esau where there's, I think there's true brokenness and humility before his brother. And then after that, he goes right back into his old ways. He deceives him. He said, yeah, 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 I'm coming with you. It's going to take me a little bit longer, but I'll be there. Well, he, guess what? He doesn't come. And instead, we find where he does go, and where he does go is still a walk of disobedience. Um, so the first thing we're going to see here is a failure to obey in verses, uh, sorry, chapter 33, verses 18 to 20. Chapter 33, 18 to 20. And Jacob Said, or sorry, Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, and on his way from Padam Aram, and he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamar, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land in which he had pitched his tent. There he erected an altar and called it uh, El Elchai Israel. All right, so. You read this, you're like, okay, next chapter, right? Like, that's, that's our typical, okay, yeah, they were journeying, they got to this city, they camped, they bought land, and they threw up an altar. That's great, right? Now, I think it's here because there's not more than that going on. It's not just kind of transitioning us from one place to another. It's, it's here because if you'll remember, when, when you study Genesis 28, I was away that week, so I had to, like, Look at it for myself. I'd missed it. But Jacob said, listen, Lord, if you do this for me, I will return to this place and worship you here. God has fulfilled his end of the bargain. Now it's time for Jacob to walk in obedience to what he had said he would do. But he stops short. He's 20 miles from Bethel at this point. Why does he not continue on? We're not told. Uh, is it because the land in this area is good? Is he just like, I'm just tired. I'm tired of traveling. You know, these kids and all the animals. Like, here's the city. I heard they got a Costco there. Like, let's, let's just stay here. Like, but you're not told these reasons. We're not told his reasons, but does it matter? Does it matter what his reasons are for his disobedience? It doesn't matter his reasons. 
Like I've looked through the Bible. I've tried to find them, right? Like when, when is it okay to disobey, right? Maybe, maybe if I'm really tired, is that a good reason? Uh, I'm under a lot of stress. I, all these people hate me. I, like, right? Like spouses, I think you may have done this a time or two where you um, make excuses for your sin. Like I may have done that one or, once or twice in my marriage <laughs> or much more than that, but you can talk to my wife about that afterwards. <laughs> we want to think that we're good people. So yeah, I'm going to, yes, 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 yes. You finally got your, okay, fine. I am going to say sorry, but first you need to hear why I did it. Then we can go on with the apology, right? Uh, yes, I, I might even say, yes, I sinned, but here's what happened. What are we doing when we do that? Listen, I'm basically a good person. You need to understand that. This was an exception to what happened. So let's just pretend that I am a good person and then this is move on. That's not, that's not what we ought to be doing, Right? Just, just an FYI, when it comes to walking in obedience. When you, when you disobey, you own it. Listen, I sinned when I did this. I need your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? That, that's it. Stop. stop. Stop saying anything else beyond that. It's just going to get you into trouble. You're going to start making excuses. We don't want to do that. We just say, okay, this is what I've done. Will you forgive me? And then move on. Now, what we see here with him, he, he's, he's not to the place he's supposed to be. He does build an altar, well, that's positive, right? And he even calls it the, the mighty one of Israel, right? The mighty God of Israel. He, he's remembering all that he has done for him. I mean, that's a really positive thing. But what's he doing? I'm disobeying here and I'm obeying over here. He's, he's stuck. He's, he's apathetic. He's not pursuing the Lord, right, as he ought to be in wholehearted obedience. Parents, do you use this with your kids? What is obedience? It's all the way, right away, with a happy heart. Right? That's what obedience looks like. It's not like, eh, you know, I took the trash within 15 feet of the curb. Good enough. I grumbled and complained the whole time I did it. Why is it my job to take out the garbage and throw it down? Like, that's not it. It's not like do it the day after the garbage you know, they come and collect it. Like, that's not health, right? Like, obedience is like all the way, right away, with a happy heart. And clearly, Jacob is not doing this here. He's not wholeheartedly following with the Lord. We're not told the reason why. But he's not doing as he should. We're not happy with half-hearted obedience, whether you're an employer, whether you've asked somebody to do something for you or whether you're a parent, like nobody's ever happy with half-hearted obedience. And guess what? God is not happy with it either. He, he, right? To obey is better than sacrifice, is what the Lord says. So he wants our obedience. He's not obeying him here. And, and, and now I, I want to say, I got to say this in the first service, and so that's probably why everybody just went out heavy-hearted maybe. But... Maybe you've done an incredible job as a parent. You're like 50 years old and your kid is still not following the Lord. There, there, there is only so much you can do as a parent. Okay, so can I, I'll just say that part. 
But, but I also would say this, there are no perfect parents. And where we can own our sin, we need to own our sin today, right? So I'm going to focus almost, you know, like single guys in the back, still stay tuned in. This is for you too, okay? okay? But we are going to talk about some parenting stuff in here, leadership stuff in here. And, 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 and so let the Holy Spirit convict as he needs to, is what I'm saying. And then we entrust our salvation of our children to the Lord. So he's, fa- he's failed to obey. It's not going to disimpact him. By the way, that's true of life always. When you fail to obey, it doesn't just impact you. It impacts the people around you. And now we see his, as a result of his failure to obey, we see his failure to protect. His failure to protect. Right? Where, where are they living now? Right in the midst of a wicked people. He's done the same thing that Lot did. Did not turn out well for Lot's family. It will not turn out well for Jacob's family. It says now, verse 1, Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. Uh, a few things I think we need to take note of here. First, Dinah is whose daughter? The daughter of Leah. Daughter of Leah. Um, if anybody ever says to you, that polygamy is a good thing, just take them to this chapter. And then you say, is it? Like, what, what do you see is good in this chapter? Like, it's so crazy how people try to rationalize their sin, right? But, but one man, one woman, together, for life, that's God's plan. Anything else other than that, not a good plan. And we're seeing the fruit of that here. He's saying this, daughter of Leah, does he love Leah? Does Jacob love Leah? He does not love Leah. She's tried. She's done, like, six kids, right? Six sons, one daughter. Like, he, he, he's, you know, like, do you love me now? Do you love me now? And, and I think there's this is being highlighted because Dinah is like, well, that's Leah's daughter. We find out she's, she's curious, it would seem, or rebellious. We don't know. Probably been in this situation now for about eight years, where they've been around Shechem. She's likely around 15. Walkie would, uh, the commentator Walkie, he that was his guess, seems to make sense in the sense that they're going to leave soon. And then we have the whole Joseph thing, and he's 17 when uh, his brothers sell him into slavery. Great family. But polygamy, it's in the Bible, and so I'm sure it's fine. Okay, but he, he, he's 17 then. He's one year older than her. And so best guess, she's around 15 now. In this culture, you never went anywhere by yourself as a woman. It, it was a wicked, wicked place to be. The same reason that Isaac and Abraham keep lying about their wife being their wife, is, is for this reason. Because, at very least, at least they were thought, okay, well, I can protect her, and then we can get out of here. That was their plan. It was a dumb plan. But, but the danger was real. And danger is real. And so, she should have known that to go out to view the woman of the land was a very, very bad idea. She should have known that. Was it because Jacob failed to protect her by teaching her? 
and saying, hey, listen, never leave home on your own. Had, he, had she been taught that? Had she been taught that by at least Leah, but she's kind of rebellious. She's a 15-year-old, and she's like, I want to do what I want to do. She's foolish. We don't know for sure. But she wants to go see the woman of the land. What, what she, like, that, that in itself is not a good thing. There's nothing she can learn of positive from the gals there. And, 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 and we're going we're gonna to talk about some implications about getting close to evil and like the results of that as we go through this. But this is the scene. Then we find out, verse 2, when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. We're not told, we're not, we, don't, we, we know that Jacob had bought land from Hamer. Had he seen her previously? Had he had his eye on her? We're, we're not told. But the, but the language here is brutal. He sees her. He seizes her. He lays with her. He humiliates her. It's the same kind of language used when the sons of God saw the daughters of men and took them. It's the same kind of wording. God brought judgment on the world because of the great sin that he's seen at just previous to the flood. Eight people were spared. We see it repeated with, with Sodom and Gomorrah. Again, there's this violence. There's this sexual impropriety, right? That, there, that things that are being done that ought not to be done. God brings judgment. God is not for what's happening here. But we're reminded that this world that they live in is still super wicked. And so it is for you and I today. It's not, no different if we're being real. If we, we know anything about that sexual slavery and the, and the kind of gross immorality that is happening in our country and all over the world. This is still happening today. So... The reason that we know this is not an exception is, as I mentioned, with Isaac and Abraham. Even when Isaac is confronted, like, why did you lie? This is what Abimelech said in Genesis 26.10. He says, what is this that you have done? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. In other words, if you're single, you're just an object, and the man will have his way with you. That's the culture that they lived in. This is the place that, jo- that Jacob, because of his disobedience, has placed his daughter in. Now, as opposed to what happens with Amnon and Tamar, we see that this guy, after he has his way with Dinah, he has feelings for her. Verse 3, and so his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved this woman and spoke tenderly to her. He, he's trying to now persuade her with words to become his wife. No doubt she's been shattered by what has happened. And he's, he's trying to speak words of tenderness and like, we'll make the, I'll, I'll make it up to you. So Shechem spoke to his father, Hamar, saying, get me this girl for my wife. Dad, 
I want you to do something for me. I want this girl to be my wife. Now, again, this is customary. We have to understand, listen, it's not 2023 in Canada. We have to understand this is the way things worked in this culture. But not a great father. As we're going to continue to read, everybody knows what's happened. This is not like kept in secret. Everybody knows what has happened here. And Shechem now is using more derogatory language between, before the, about this girl. He says, get this girl for my wife. This is a guy who's never used to hearing no for an answer. So he's decided he wants her to be his wife. Now he's sent his dad to be on this um, pursuit. I want to just again take note. They're in this situation because Jacob was walking in disobedience. They're in this situation because Jacob failed to make sure she had a chaperone with her. There's these failures over and over again. And then we see Dinah has made a foolish decision. She has went out on her own and she was, went to see about the woman of the land. And, and, and there's, there's this inclination in us as youth, even in, if we're being honest, adults, you're just more used to doing it all over and over again and you're a little bit maybe more secretive in how you do it. But, but, but you're, you're trying to see like what, what's out there. What can I, what, what is the world offer? Let me just see how close I can get to the edge without it actually hurting me. And I hope we see in this text, it's just a, a stark reminder that we can't ever get close to sin without it hurting us. That there's always terrible consequences for playing with sin. And right now, the Holy Spirit is te- telling you, some of you here this morning, listen, you're getting too close. Stop going on the pathway. Stop. I mean, how many people are like, how, how close can I go and God's still okay with it? How about this? How about how close can I get to the Lord today? How can I pursue him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength today? That should be the focus, not how close can I get to the world into sin? Because it will hurt you. It, you, will, you will find yourself in very, very difficult circumstances if you continue to live a life of pursuing sin. We think, okay, maybe, maybe this is going to like snap Jacob out of his spiritual apathy. Maybe this is what will do it. It doesn't do it. We see the th- third thing here, his failure to direct. His failure to direct. Verse 5, now Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah. But his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. So somehow he hears. Again, we don't know how he knows. He just, he hears. Maybe Leah had said to, you know, like, listen, uh, Dinah's missing. She hasn't come home. Like, let's try to figure out what's happening. We, we don't know how they find out, but it, they find out. And what's shocking is his lack of response. Oh, you know, the boys are out in the farm, you know, in the fields right now. We're not going to bother them about this. Is it because it's Leah's daughter? Is, that, is this kind of aloof to it? Is it that he's shocked 
and he doesn't know what to do and it kind of just paralyzes him. Like we don't know what's going on, but there is no action. There is no, there's no emotion to what's going on and, and that's a problem. Anytime you have no action and no emotion in regards to sin, whether it be your own or someone else's, that's a problem. So, verse 6, And Hamar, the father of Shechem, went to, out to Jacob to speak with him. Did you know what Hamar means? Donkey. Male donkey. That's his name. And spiritually speaking, that's definitely what's going on here. Are you kidding me? You're not going to challenge your son on what he's done? You're not going to admit sin is sin? You're just going to kind of go on with this whole thing? Well, that's what he's doing. And despite Jacob trying not for the boys to find out, they find out, verse 7, sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it. And the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter. For such a thing must not be done. They have the proper reaction. This is the proper reaction to sin. They are outraged by what's happened. They're, they're angry. They're, they're saying this is an outrageous thing. Another way you could say that, this, this is a disgraceful thing that's happened. This ought not to happen. Again, this is not God's design. This is not something that should happen to any woman. And so they, they have the proper anger involved here. Sarna says this, For society's own self-protection, such atrocities can never be tolerated or left unpunished. Like we know what's going to happen to Canaan. What's going to happen to Canaan? This, this people who, who do these kinds of things and there is no repentance, we know that God within a few hundred years is going to take them out. 400 years. He's going to, he's going to judge them as he judged Sodom and Gomorrah, as he judged the land, uh, the world before the flood. Uh, yeah, just before, as with the flood, sorry. So, so we know God is not for this. And so their emotions are good emotions. But Hamar spoke with them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Again, zero admittance of any wrongdoing. Everybody in town apparently knows what has happened by this point. That's how the boys found out. But Hamar acts if this is normal. Even in what he says next, it seems like he's even trying to encourage this kind of behavior. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. It's the same kind of language, same kind of wording that has happened with Dinah. Listen, you take our daughters in the same way that, that he has taken your daughter. It's fine. And we'll figure out the marriage thing later. Let's just, let's just do this. You shall dwell with us. And the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and get property in it. Like, it's good. Like, we'll come together and, and it's financially it's going to be a good thing. And, and, and we'll all prosper. Let's just do this thing. You know, sometimes we think that only Christians are evangelizing or religious people are evangelizing. The, the biggest evangelists in our country are on our university campuses. They're telling you, just like this guy, listen, 
Join us. Be with us. It'll go well for you. He's actually giving them the promises of God here, right? You'll get the land. You'll get the stuff. You'll be blessed. Just do what we do and come and be with us. And so it is today on the university campuses. Like God, like seriously, who, who still believes that there's a God? I mean, what a ridiculous notion. We all know that aliens put us here. I mean, it's so much, I mean, whatever. They don't have solutions. But they talk with their pride. They talk with their, with their all-knowingness, right? And how foolish you would be not to join us, not to have the blessings that we could offer you. You know, church, what? They're telling you to live for some God? Live for yourself. Like, focus on you. Like, you be in charge. That, how much better is that? I mean, is your life going well? I mean, besides that, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites, right? They're hateful. So now just join us. And as they do so, as they say so, they're really saying, come, let the curse be on you as well. Let the curse be on you as well. It'll be so much better for you. So what will they do? How will they, re- how will they respond? Shechem also said to her father, so we find out that he's actually with him. He's, he's standing kind of in the wings with Hamar. He said to her father and to her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes. And whatever you say to me, I will give Ask for me as a great, as a bride price and gift as you will, and I will give whatever you say to me, only give me the young woman to be my wife. Listen, we can work this out. You name the price, I will pay it. Again, he's not going to take no for an answer. That's, that's where this guy's at. Like, like you, 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 you just need to tell me what you want, and then we'll work it out, and it's going to be good. But he has no idea who he's negotiating with here. Right? Maybe, maybe with Jacob's spiritual state, maybe, maybe he could have tricked him into saying yes to this thing, but not these boys. Listen, verse 13. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamar deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. Listen, the, the reaction is right. They want action, but now they're going on their own plan. They're a they are now not, they're not going to be godly in their reaction. They're going to be ungodly in their reaction. To be stirred with emotion, to want justice is right, but what they're going to do will not be just. And they're following in their pappy's footsteps. Deceit. Deceit, deceit, deceit. They're going to do what their dad has done over and over again. Verse 14. They said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Notice Jacob is silent. He's doing nothing here. It's the boys. Simeon and Levi, would seem, as we read further on, are the ones controlling the narrative here. And they're like, hey, we couldn't do this. That would be a disgraceful thing. It's actually true. They cannot marry a Canaanite woman. That would be wrong for them to do. But now they, they put it in kind of like, yeah, become like us. And what's horrific about this is they're using the covenant sign now, as we're going to see, to to trick these people. Verse 15, only on this condition will we agree with you that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. 
Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to ourselves, and we will dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone. Listen, there's only one way this is going down, is for you and for every male in this city to become circumcised. That's the only way that we're going to do this. Uh, Pastor Michael, he was talking about this in, in the other service. He's like, okay, so stop and think about this. Today, our symbol that we are God's people, we do baptism, right? We, we, it's a public declaration. We're like, hey, they've been baptized, and, and now we are a part of the people of God. In the Old Testament, it was the circumcision was a symbol that you are God's people. So to do what they're saying here would be like, Come, get baptized, and then we just hold you under the water until you're dead. Right? Like, that's, what, that's what's going on here. Like, it's so sacrilegious what they're doing. Hugh says this, genocide, not evangelism, was the goal. The irony of their deceit is supremely grotesque and that the aspect of Shechem used to perpetrate the crime would serve to affect his death. I mean, this is John Wick kind of, I mean, not that anybody knows what John Wick is, but maybe you've seen a commercial. It's the kind of justice, right? If you don't know who John Wick is, basically he kills like 300 people in, you know, an hour, right? That's the kind of movie, right? This is that kind of justice. This is that justice. Total ungodly justice. That's what, that's what he's seeking here. That's what they're seeking. But again, I want us just to note, where's Jacob in this? Where's Jacob? Why are the sons speaking? Like they got, they got emotion, they got vigor, but, but he should have shut them down right away. He said, quiet, boys, right? I'm going to deal with this situation. But he doesn't. He remains silent. I want to just remind us, men, God's called you to lead your homes. Like this kind of thing cannot happen where you just sit back and you don't direct. Well, it's 2023, you know, Canada. It's where we live. It's a different time. Men are different now. You know, we don't, I don't care. Do you care? Do you care what culture says you should be doing as men? You should not. You should not care for a second. What you should care about is what God's word says. And you signed up to lead your home when you said, I do. And I'm saying it with a little bit of emotion because I I feel like there's so many men sitting back right now. Well, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Did God call you to do it? He called you to do it. Does he equip you to do everything he calls you to do? He does. So, men, if God's bringing conviction about being distracted, about not being the man that you ought to be in your home, then see this is a grace of God in your life and say, God, please forgive me. Husband, say to your wife, forgive me. Say to your children, forgive me. I need to be more focused on leading the home. That's what God wants from us. And we see 
the devastating circumstances when you don't lead in this, pa- in this passage. So he fails to direct. Then he also fails to correct. We see this in verses 18 to 29. He fails to correct. Verse 18. Their words pleased Hamar and Hamar's son Shechem. Great. Great plan. We thought we were going to have to pay a whole bunch of cash. You're saying a little surgery. We'll do that. Okay. Like, honestly, I'm like, these guys are like a next level, like in regards to what they think they can pull off. Like, could anybody in, in our day get a whole bunch of people to do what they're about to ask these guys to do? But they're like, yeah, good, we got it. Now, the young man did not delay to do this thing. We're talking about Shechem. Because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Again, we see, we're reminded of Shechem's feelings. Hamilton notes he goes from clinging to loving to infatuation. He, 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 he believes he, she has to be his wife. And so he's intent on this. It doesn't matter the hurdles. He's going to make it happen. Now, verse 19, he was the most honored of all his father's house. It's, it's a super ironic statement, isn't it? He's the most honored in his father's house. But, but what, what's, what's, what he's saying is like, he's got some sway in the community. And now we see how this goes down. Verse 20. So Hamar and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city. Why to the gate of the city? That's where business happens. Anytime in the Old Testament you see them hanging out at the gate of the city, it's like, it's a town meeting. That's what's going on. And he spoke to the men of the city there, saying, These men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us to become one people. When every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. Like notice a few things here. Do, do they say why they think this is something they should do? Like, there's no mention of, hey, by the way, Shechem wants to marry Dinah. They don't even bring that up. Hey, 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 we're just thinking. We just came up with this. We could all dwell together with these new people. And, and, and it's going to be a financial uh, thing that, you know, they, 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 it's, it's not going to be a burden to us. There's lots of land here. And, 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 and we'll marry their daughters. They can marry our daughters. This is gonna, like, so it's opening up opportunities. It's a great thing. And they know they're going to get some pushback, right? And I think you see that in verse 24. So this is what they bring up. Or sorry, verse 23. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. Listen. We'll just do this little surgery thing. And then... Basically, everything they have will be ours. Doesn't that sound like a good deal? Don't you want all their stuff? Have you seen how many animals these guys came in with? I mean, they're loaded. So, so let's just do this thing. And incredibly, they persuade everybody to do it. Verse 24. And all who went out of the gate of the city listened to Hamar and his son Shechem. And every male was circumcised. All who went out of the gate of his city Every able-bodied man was circumcised in that city. What the plan that Simeon and Levi have come up with his, is they've taken it hook, line, and sinker. Now they wait. 
Why do you got to wait? Because the pain doesn't really hit till day three. That's what's going on here. As I was doing a little bit of research with this, like probably a fever starts coming on day three. Like, like you're not in good shape by day three. So they wait till then. And on the third day, we read, when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all the males. Genocide. I was just so bothered this week, like, like studying this text. Like, you watched any of the Hamas stuff that was going on and like what they did to Israel back on October 7th? I mean, like, you cannot read this and not have those kind of images in your mind. Like, it's, it gets brutal. What they're doing here is brutal. There is no way to say, well, you know, it, it's deserved. Not, like, God is not sanctioning this here. And, and so they go, it's, it, the, the word order here is they kill everybody who's done nothing to them. They kill all those people, and then they go against the people who actually did something to them. They killed Hamar and his son Shechem with a sword. And they took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. Oh, yeah, by the way, Dinah's been in this place ever since he's had his way with her, Right? So, if that's not bad enough, as far as the sons of Jacob's wickedness, they came upon the slain. The rest of the sons came. So I was like, now the rest of the boys come along. And they plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They're like, this is their rationalization. This is why we're going to take everything in this city. And they took their flocks and the herds, their donkeys, and whatever was in the, city, was in the field. All their wealth. And if you just stop there, you're like, okay, well, whatever. But it doesn't stop there. And all their little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. I mean, you can see why I said at the beginning, there are no heroes in this story. There are no good people in this story. What they have done here is not justice. Ross says this, this was not justice, it was brutal and excessive revenge. Ironically, the defilement of one woman, Dinah, led to the painful capture of many women and children. Their presence would be a perpetual reminder of the cruelty of the tribes. I mean, I don't think there's anyone here who doesn't hear what happened to Dinah and think there should have been some justice. Like, there's nobody here like, oh, well, Whatever. Like justice. You get stirred up. You get angry when you hear this. Rightfully so. But what should they have done? Jacob, maybe he's like, oh, you know, I don't know. I don't want to stir things up here while, while Shechem and Hamar are here. Okay, fine. Whatever. But when they leave, what's the plan, boys? Why did you tell them to go do that? What are you, what are you planning on doing here? They're like, well, here's our plan. He should have shut it down. And then what he should have done was empathize with them and say, look, I understand. What's happened to your sister is terrible. It's wicked. And God cares about this. Let us cry out to Yahweh on her behalf and ask him what he would want us to do here. This is what should have happened. But he doesn't. He's silent through the whole thing. He doesn't correct them. 
And then this wickedness happens. I mean, this morning you have a lot of anger in your heart, a lot of bitterness. Maybe you have been deeply hurt. I would just remind you what it says in Romans 12. Vengeance is the Lord's. Vengeance is the Lord's. He has perfect justice. Any unrepentant sin, the wrath of God abides over that. So it's not up to you and I. If you want true justice, you give it to God. You entrust it to God. And then as you continue to do that, something happens in your heart if you're a believer. God starts taking away that anger and that bitterness and that desire for vengeance. And instead you pray for that person that God might be merciful and they not spend eternity in hell. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Well, the last thing briefly I want us to see here is their failure, sorry, uh, Jacob's failure to dissect. What do, I, what do I mean by that? Well, he doesn't see accurately, even after all this, he still doesn't see accurately what's going on here. Verse 30, then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink in the inhabitants of the land the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few. And if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. Well, let's just think about this for a minute. Why, why, is, he, why is he like worrying that it's gonna come on him? That, that the consequences of this are gonna come on him? Why is he saying this where he says, you have brought trouble on me? Well, why is it on you? You, you were sitting off Doing whatever. You weren't involved in this. Why is he not saying you brought trouble on yourselves? Well, guess, guess, guess what? He's the leader of the home. He's the leader of the home. He finally clues into the fact that it's on him because he's the leader of the home. He doesn't see that the fault is with him. That's the problem. He doesn't acknowledge that because of his failure to act in obedience, they're in this situation in the first place. He doesn't acknowledge that he failed to protect the family. He doesn't acknowledge that he should have been uh, making sure that Dinah never left home without an escort. He should have, he doesn't say anything about um, directing, that his failure to direct direct when Dinah was violated and left in this situation. He doesn't say anything about his failure to correct the sons before they went off and had uh, this plan of vengeance. He doesn't, he doesn't own it at all. Instead, it's a me, my, mole thing, right? Me, 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 my, 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 I, I, I. Do you see it? You brought trouble on me. You, you, you made me stink. My numbers are few. Gathered against me, I shall be destroyed. My household. I mean, it's all about him. He's still in a place where he ought not to be. He, he is not taking, he's not taking ownership for any of his sin here. He's hard-hearted towards his culpability in this whole thing. He desperately needs a heart change. But so do the boys. Look at their reaction, verse 31. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? Is that, is that, are we okay with that? Like no talk of like, yeah, maybe we went overboard when we slaughtered the entire city. 
and we took all their stuff, and now we have all these slaves with us. Like, maybe, maybe that was overboard. Like, there's not, like, for sure, be fired up about the sin against your sister, but their, hard, their hearts are hard, big time. They're not taking any ownership for what they have done. When you get to the end of this text, you're like, well, Merry Christmas, right? Like, where's the hope? Where's the hope? Well, I love in God's timing that this was the Sunday we highlighted hope. A world full of darkness. This is what this passage is. It's the reality of our world. I mean, just think of all the horror stories that are out there. This is just one of them. Our hearts should break for the world that we live in. But we are not hopeless here this morning. There are no perfect dads, no perfect moms, no perfect children. But we do have a perfect Savior. If it was not for Christ coming into this world, we would have no hope. I hope we feel that this morning. Like, we're just, this is heavy on our hearts. Like, God, we deserve wrath. It's what we deserve. But you loved us. Why? <laughs> that should be the question. Why? What you did. And God became man, took on flesh. This is what we're celebrating this Christmas. He lived a perfect life. Didn't sin one time. Can you imagine? Not one time. Always walking in obedience to the Father. Even up until that last moment where, where he had to, he was wrestling in the garden, not wanting, not wanting to do this, this thing and saying, you know, is there another way, Lord? But then what? Not my will, but yours be done. And he laid down his life willingly for you and for I. And then the wrath of God that will be against all sin, either on Christ or on you, that's a decision that you need to make. The wrath of God is satisfied in Jesus Christ. He dies, and he raises again, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. The curse of sin has been broken. And if you are a child of God here this morning, I pray that, that that's your hope today. That's your, that's your joy today. That as we think about what we're celebrating, about Christ coming this Christmas, we would realize why he had to come, and that it would motivate us to, like, Lord, like, I, I really don't like this little piece of paper thing. But I, I want people to be saved, God. So many lost, hurting people. God, we, we can't do it, but we know you can. And so I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to feel weird and ask somebody to come to church with me. And then, Lord, it's up to you. I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to ask you to do what only you could do. Would you change their story? and make them children of God rather than children of wrath. You can do that. So I want us just to spend some time in prayer this morning as we, as we wrap up. I want us to be reminded of some of the things that we've been challenged with here today. 
parents. It's a humbling thing being a parent. But let's just renew our commitment to raise our children in, in the instruction and discipline of the Lord and ask him that he would help us to lead well, to instruct well. If God has brought conviction to your life, then you repent over those things and then you renew your trust in him. Teens, in your temptation to go after the things of this world, we're praying for you that you would see that the world is full of lies and they're trying to put you under the curse, but instead that you would see God loves you and wants you to walk in his blessing. That even today that you would renew your commitment to him if you're in Christ. Can't help but think there's some dinas here today as well. You've suffered greatly been sinned against, and I would just encourage you to look to the Lord. He's your helper. He's your healer, your comforter, and he will lead you and help you through the difficulties you've been through. Cast your pain upon him knowing he cares for you. Maybe there's some Simeon and Levi's here today. You just got so much hatred and anger in your heart. Again, I just encourage you to give it to the Lord. Know that He is the God of justice. He'll take care of it. And just give it to Him. And then lastly, maybe there are some Shechem's and Hamers here. You came in here, you've been walking in your sin. You've never seen it as a problem. You've never seen that you're 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 you've sinned greatly against a holy God. I would just say to you this morning. God can forgive you of your sin. If he's, brought, if he's brought conviction into your life today and you know that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, he would save you. No matter how great your sin, he would save you. If you would repent today, admit to him that you have sinned against him and then trust in him, he would save you. And so I just want you to spend some time in prayer personally right now. Just bow your heads, everyone where they're at, and you, just, you pray accordingly. I'm so thankful that the Lord knows your heart here today knows exactly what you need. Allow the Spirit of God to help you, to lead you, to apply His Word to your life even now. today. God, would you have your way in our lives? Lord, we declare today that you are good. You alone are good. And that, Lord, we are sinful people. Lord, we need your help. 
Lord, we want to be loving to those around us. We want to care for those around us. God, we, we want to lead well. Lord, I pray for our parents here today. God, would you strengthen and encourage them to continue to entrust you, Lord, with this task, Lord, you've given us of parenting. God, we, we know that it's hard, but Lord, you've, you've given us the task, and Lord, you equip us to do it. And so, God, would you have your way on our parenting? Lord, we pray for our teens here today as well. We're so thankful for them. God, would you help them to cling to you when the world would seek to evangelize them and draw them into their things? God, would you help them to see the lies that are there? Would you help them to see the pain and the curse that are there? And Lord, rather turn to you and live for you. God, be merciful, be gracious. God, for the, the dinas here, Lord, those who have been hurt greatly, God, would you be their comforter? Would you be their help? God, would you help them to take one day at a time, Lord, allowing you to heal their hearts, allowing you to bring them hope. And then, God, for those who have a lot of anger and bitterness in their life, God, would you just help them to lay that before your cross. May they be reminded that, Lord, you are the God of wrath. Lord, you are the God of justice. Would they just lay all that before you, God, allowing you to be Lord. And then, Lord, for those who maybe today have never placed their hope and trust in you, God, today, may this be the day for them. Lord, no sin is too great for you to forgive. Lord, you're able. Lord, we believe that. And we're so thankful that you have forgiven us. And because of Jesus Christ today, we have hope. Lord, we do confess that without you, there is no hope. And as I've just said, Lord, Our hope is in you alone, in Christ alone. Lord, may that be our heart. May that be our focus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit us online at redemption.ca.